and welcome back to Wrong Opinions Only with your host, Kayla, and the eldest boy, Justin. Let's go, Kayla. <laughs> I'm the eldest boy. I'm the God. eldest boy. So uh, if you couldn't figure it out by that little hint, we will be talking succession and, of course, Yellow Jackets today, Kayla. God, I mean, the end of two amazing shows, one for good, one we will see where season three may take us. Um, let's start with succession because I, I don't know about you, but it's been about a week and I'm still mu- not even less than, and I'm really mulling over some parts of like what I felt exactly. And it, it kind of changes like every so often when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, do I, did I agree with this? Did I not? Did this seem true to the character? Did this seem like a clean wrap up? I mean, how are you feeling? Did it? I mean, I don't know. Should we start at like what the episode was or how we feel? I mean, I don't know. It was great. I mean, wow. Well, well said, Kate. Thank you. Well said. Yeah, I just a succession, man. If you're not watching it, folks, miss it out. So obviously it was the series finale of succession. Let's just give quick initial thoughts. Like I thought the final episode was really good. It was an hour and a half. It was long, but it flew by. Honestly, when it ended, I was like, oh, that's it it's over. I could have sat there for another hour or two as they wrap things up. I do like that they weren't super like tidy and wrapping up all the side storylines. There were some outstanding items, which kind of you think, Oh, I wonder how that played out. I wonder how that played out. And that leads to more theories from the audience. And who knows, maybe, you know, game of Thrones style, some spinoffs down the line, but all in all, I liked how they wrapped everything up. It, tied in for the overall series well the kids are not serious people they didn't deserve it but they have to walk away with oh no only billions of dollars and not have to run a company with that amount of stress oh how how brutal how can't believe they have to give up all that fancy stuff just to be billionaires at the end of the day See, we're we're such a mess over this episode, we don't even know how to talk about it. I mean, the show is just so good at showing these rich people, right, who are basically idiots and kind of humanizing them, kind of making you feel for them in moments, but never 100% and never for long, never for long. And so there were so many moments in this finale where... I felt myself get swept up a bit in these lighter moments while knowing like, I I mean, I could have seconds with this and something terrible is going to happen. Like knowing that it wasn't going to end on a happy note, but still wanting to spend time with these characters in the lighter moments. Like it just, cause there's so few, I guess. And I guess in a way that's kind of like how the characters, you know, like if you're thinking of them as real people felt as in they, they had never had light moments with each other either. You know, is how you're kind of led to believe. Yeah, that's one of the masterful strokes of the show is these people are pretty despicable across the board. Most of the characters in the show, but they bring in just enough like empathy and these sad moments where you start feeling for them. You start feeling bad for Roman after he falls apart trying to give a eulogy, even though he's been a piece of shit this whole season. You feel bad for Shiv at times. You feel bad for Kendall, even though he has proven to be an asshole too. It's just, they do such a great job of, you know, staying on that line of, oh, these people suck. Oh, but maybe there's some good down deep in. Oh, no, actually the poison ran all the way through the bloodline and they still suck. So props to the creators for that. And they they also did a great job, the whole series, especially this last season, 
just setting up the show in a way where it drives the discourse of theories on what's going to happen. Like every episode, like what, 10 times within each episode, you're changing theories. Oh, it could be Tom. It could be Greg. You know, maybe it's Kendall. You know, maybe Shiv's going to make a move. Oh, what if Roman comes back? They kept you on your toes the entire time, which made watching every episode and every minute of every episode so entertaining because you were looking for any little clue that might tip it a certain way for a certain character, which is something I enjoy when I like to thoroughly watch shows. So you're looking for little hints and that's something that uh, Succession did top notch. I like to not so thoroughly watch shows and just watch them with my eyes closed and listen for a truly chaotic experience. Well, sometimes, Kayla, you just have it on on the sideline while you're showering and aren't paying attention. So, yeah, I would say you don't thoroughly watch shows sometimes. You know, a true dedicated viewer of media will spend every minute <laughs> watching something as I try to basically become TV shows. All right, Sean. Um, see. <laughs> I, you know, this finale, I got to say, first of all, Vindication as a lifelong Tom fan. Um, is Tom necessarily in a great spot? No, but it did amuse me that as someone that has just loved Tom that, you know, he got somewhere at least because there's just there's so many times where he could have been just completely ousted, whether it was his fuckery in the show as, as you know, the ATN, whether it was him trying to fall on a sword with Logan, whether it was the divorce, there's just so many ways that Tom could have just got completely out. He just was always afraid that was going to happen and never did. Um, I mean, we'll talk about whether anyone has any type of happy ending um, in the finale, but I just, you know, the Tom of it all, I guess, um, was very amusing to me, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, these kids are not serious people, and they've just exemplified that to the max this season. They can't just stay together for a few hours, let alone a few days after their father died to get on the same page here. And through all that chaos, the consistent people in the show were kind of the C-suite folks that have been there the whole time by Logan's side, the Jerry's, the Frank's, the Carl's. They don't fall into that that kind of chaos that the kids bring around. They just glom on to who's in charge. I'll help you out. I'm not worried about the other shit. Tom and Greg started doing that too. They would just kind of shift their allegiances based on where the wind was blowing that day. And it turned out to work pretty well for them in the end, all things said and done based on what they were looking to do. But, you know, it had its ups and downs throughout because you're not always going to pick the right side. And this just, with the end of the season, Tom named as CEO of Waystar Royco, which is what he wanted. This whole show, he has said, hey, I want to move up the corporate ladder. I want to be in charge. I want to be next to the powerful people. I want to make those calls. And that it's hinted that's one of the reasons him and Shiv started dating, kind of that dynamic where they could play off of each other and help each other's careers move up. And you have that background of Shiv's family kind of supporting you if it does fall apart. And then that scene uh, in episode, was it six or seven, where he's talking with Shiv and he just goes, honestly, I think about money. I think about how much money I want to have and how I want to make more money. And they have that joke of, well, we could just leave and go to a trailer park. And then they both laugh at each other like, oh, yeah, like we would ever do that. Tom's motivations are clear. I think he loves Shiv. But. His main motivation this whole season was to end in a position where he could be financially stable for the future. 
and in a power position so he can just ridicule the people beneath him. And at the end, that's exactly what he got. You know, I want to talk about the Tom and Shiv, I guess, trajectory over the show, which was such a focal point of one comedy of how different they were together. How very clear Tom was completely infatuated with Shiv and the lifestyle, um, completely disillusioned at where he might end up and like how it was going to go. Like, I think he was picturing like, you know, kids and like a happy marriage and all, all this type of stuff. He was kind of a vision. They're just rolling in the cash laughing together every night. And the way that it just changed, whether Tom just completely woke up from the dream, I think, that he had of how the relationship was going to be, despite being hurt by Shiv probably since the beginning. And, and I like to think that in the early beginning, it was different. I like, I, you know, I, I feel like as they got older, as they became more mixed up, like how Tom became involved in the company, like, I feel like that was a trajectory because I could see Shiv like trying to have something for herself outside of the family. And then once he kind of got brought in, it all kind of came together. And then in this final season, every conversation is like so important to pay attention to between them from like the first episode to the last. And Tom just like every time he talks to Shiv, he knows exactly what she's doing. Like no part of him is, you know, many times in the past seasons, he was, he was questioning Shiv like, but you're still watching out for me, right? Like, where's my place? Did you talk to Logan about me? Like he, he still has some sort of confidence that Shiv is looking out for him. And the whole last season he has zero. Every time she's making, you know, oh yeah, I mentioned you. I, yeah, man, we talked. No. And he knows it. And he tells her he knows it. Like, you know, and it just was so interesting to see Tom in episode one of the show and Tom then where he just no part of Shiv's lies count. And and to Shiv's point, she's like, we've lied to each other. We've said every lie. We've hurt each other as as much as you can hurt another person. And maybe there's something real. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about their relationship? I, it's it's the longest standing relationship, even when they were apart, you know? Yeah, it's... uh. It's very complicated. I don't think it's a happy relationship. At at the end of the day, that just brutal hand-holding sequence at the end, you kind of have Shiv now in the in the Tom position when the relationship started for them, right? Where he is now in the power position and she is the the hanger-on essentially because it's no longer her family's company. It's sold. Her husband is running it. She is almost in the same situation that her mother was. Her mother was somebody who didn't have a lot of power, but was married into a very wealthy, rich guy who's running Waystar Royco. And she has a kid that she doesn't appear to love or want to have with this person that she's going to have to raise. And based on everything we've seen and heard, Shiv has, maybe she cares about this kid coming up. But everything she said, especially to Matson, is like, ah, whatever. I'll get a nanny, throw him that way. I don't give a shit about this kid. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It really seems like she was not ready to have a child, which is what her mother, good old Lady Caroline, told her a couple seasons ago. And that look down at the, uh, was it at the funeral where she just gives her the up down? Like, oh, oh. And then it's just, that's all that needs to be said. Like, I thought we had this talk where I wasn't meant to have kids. I was a shit mother raising you three. You aren't meant to have kids. And now you're in a loveless marriage where you're just hanging on because you need to have somebody in your life. And now you're going to have to somehow raise a kid after the fact. Tough spot. 
So the shit, like the end, I guess, before we go into like Shiv's ultimately decision, I, I, that's, that's one of the things of this finale that I keep going back and forth on. Like, because I, at first I really saw it as a loss for Shiv. Like I just saw her like stuck in a way in a bit of just like, this was the compromise she made for herself. And the more time I spent from the episode, the more I see it as Shiv picking the best option for herself. And, you know, unlike I'd say her mom and, um, you know, Logan's axes, many axes uh, that filled the front pew of the church at his funeral. Um, she just has a ton of money and, the, the idea that she's stuck with Tom, because I've been seeing a lot of that online, like it's just she she ultimately has the most freedom. She she there, there's no reason why she really is stuck with Tom other than her being unable to leave a piece of the company. And I also think Tom is arguably she's ruined her relationships with her brothers um, or at least one. Um, and Tom is this like tether both to her father and like him being there in his last moments like how she's still how married much they've to gone tom through. has a baby yeah with tom. so it's tough to just but like, cut ties. but like but shiv has like uh, you know on tommy like she can she can do whatever like she doesn't need to be there with tom doing sad hand-holding and being stuck in this like loveless marriage like shiv is choosing it and i think shiv is like i can control i really do she can has elements of control with tom and and that's where she's choosing to end up. And I think Tom totally is accepting of that, too, and what being still tied to Shiv. And ultimately, I think he cares about this future kid means more than just saying, I, I don't need you. Like, I'm the CEO. Like, why do I, you know, like, no one's going to threaten me because of something I do to you. Like, they both agree, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, it seems like they both are in a, a position where they're kind of, equal in power in that she could leave him and raise her kid and do and have all the money in the world to get all his to have a clean divorce full custody i feel and he could just be like i don't need you at all i'm gonna make tons of money and do make greg my bitch and do whatever but they they agree to be together and in that moment it's sad but i also don't feel like shiv is i don't know they're both at the same is how i feel i guess okay i think it might be helpful at least for the finale if we just kind of run through kind of the sequence of scenes that got us to that ending point that we've been talking about a bit so far. So the episode pretty much opens up with Shiv being super desperate with Matson about, Hey, we got the votes. No big deal. We got the votes. If we got the votes, we're going to put out the, the message that announces me as CEO. Right, right, right. This is the thing that really frustrates me about the Shiv character. And I'm not quite sure why the writers write her this way like she is written very smart and intelligent in some aspects and then other times she just comes across as like somebody who's crazy desperate who can't keep her emotions in check and this is one of those that Matson, i think he probably wasn't leaning to put her on as ceo anyway based on the previous episode saying we have an american ceo in our uh that lined up but it wasn't mentioned that it was her but when he sees her kind of acting this erratic way, he's probably like, all right, I think that's that's probably it. Let's let's go a different route. And on the other side, you have Kendall, very similar kind of frantic nature trying to secure votes, but gives the fake confidence of I'm in charge. I'll figure it out. 
no big deal because he's not running it past anybody else. He is the one in charge on that side of things. So did you have any thoughts on kind of those opening scenes that drew us into the finale? So Shiv, they all want to win for whatever reasons, whether it's their desperation to get their father's approval. They actually want this company. They Whatever. They all want to win. And you could tell Shiv's wanting to win when she's trying to rub it in later in the episode. She, when she talked at the funeral and was like, you know, he didn't hold space for women and just pans on all the women that Logan has, has hurt over the years. I just try to picture like Logan and how tough he was in having a daughter and having, you know, like when he told Shiv she could have it, I feel like that was the first time he was having that conversations versus with Kendall at seven. And so I just, I'm just picturing how, you know, you learn that Roman, they, they kind of like, sent Roman away as a power struggle with the kids early. And I I guess I just picture a young Shiv seeing the eyes look more towards her brothers than her. And so that, that kind of like desperation that like, I, I need to say I win. So like, we're good, right? I got this. These pieces are all aligned. We're in this and just her inability to see how clearly she's not winning any favor on that. Like he's completely turned off to her and she just cannot pick on. Cause she's just, it's so, on her it's her you know and it keeps keeps happening to her and kendall kendall's gonna kendall right that's just how it happens kendall's gonna kendall and once they were like oh we can't find roman we don't know where roman is i think everybody watching the show is like well we're gonna see the kids kind of reunite again where they locate roman and in this circumstance it's in barbados with his mother and good old peter munyan and his friend which what a shit scammer that peter munyan guy is huh so all the kids show up there. Kendall's a little later than Shiv, and they're essentially trying to volley for Roman's vote at the board meeting. Kendall's still, let's blow this thing up. Let's have the family run the company for as long as we can. And Shiv's like, let's sell it. Let's make our money. And I'll still be CEO. It's a win-win for me situation. So that scene at first, when they're all at the uh, Barbados house, they're you have Kendall and Shiv all dressed to the nines. You have uh, Roman in his Walmart uh, $14 t-shirt, just kind of looking beaten and battered and not really ready for any type of big position here. And what you just brought up is such a great point in this scene too. Shiv is just rubbing it in their faces. Like I won, you lost, I won, haha. Why are you doing that? Like, I don't remember the, the other guys doing this to her aggressively like that. Like they, they make jokes at her expense, but they're not like, ha ha, I won, you lose, get out of here, bye. No, no, when? they totally did. When? They totally did. When Shiv, when Shiv was watch kind of like participating in the company stuff, but they're like, What are you doing here, Shiv? Like, and she's just like, Oh, don't worry about it, not saying anything. That whole season, they were like, Shiv, it's never gonna be you. Keno constantly was telling Shiv, like, you're a joke. Like, there's just no way he's picking you. Like, you're just here to make work or but like they play weren't bragging about office. their they like, weren't bragging about their stuff. They were complaining to her about her methods. They no, weren't like, no. haha, were like, shit, I no won chance. You you're yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. This was not like Shiv all of a sudden you're whole no way. They're like, Shiv, you lose all the time. Yeah, for sure. Whatever you say, Kayla, just team Shiv over <laughs> there. You, One of the you. worst characters on the show. <laughs> yes, I, I know, but yes. When it comes to you, yes. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Unbelievable. 
So then after uh, Caroline somehow tries to calm them down, we kind of shoot over to the Tom and Matson dinner. So this is interesting. Matson's meeting with Tom again. So obviously it's kind of, he's looking at him for uh, CEO at this point. Tom just gives this whole monologue at the interview. Hey, I'm your pain sponge. Whatever you need, I'll do what you want. I, I can cut people's legs out. I can drive the bottom line. I'll do whatever you say. And then Matson, with just a crazy power move, basically says, hey, I want to sleep with your wife. And I think she wants to, too, if situation was a little bit different. Oh, you want to go get shots? Like, what the fuck was that? How do you re- how do you react? At- That's how cold Tom is in certain situations where he hears that from this guy in power. And he so badly wants the power position, wants to be CEO. He's letting it slide that Matson is telling him he wants to sleep with his wife. Like, I think that's a play by Matson trying to be like, I'm going to push you and see if you break. And if you don't, then I know I can do whatever the hell I want with you if I put you in this position. What did you think about oh, yeah. that cringe totally. scene? Totally. I mean, Shiv said it when she's she's describing Tom to Madsen, right? He'll suck he'll suck the biggest dick in the room. And and there he is, right? Um, you know, we, t- there's a lot of talk about Roman being the most like emotionally expressive of all of them, but I would argue Tom between Tom sharing his fear when he thinks like they're about to get gunned down at ATN to like how he's conveying how hurt he is from Shiv who won't listen to him. Like when he's about to like walk the plank and take the fall, like there's like, he's, he is very expressive with his emotions. So I think just like, I know it's money motivated, but he's like, can't sleep. He's so stressed. I mean, he talks about how stressed he is. It's just so hard to imagine that this is a life that Tom wants as a money motivate because he's so broken he's so like can barely hang on as is and he's just signing up for more torch self-torture i I mean he's a pain sponge as he says i just i i mean sad it's just sad that like he's just gonna do that and then take out his feelings on greg seemingly for the rest of his life so yeah (laughs) uh basically greg is gonna turn into like frank or carl for tom he's just gonna be the guy that he works with and puts in bad situations, but never really leaves his side. So also at that dinner where Tom pretty much solidifies, he's going to be the next American CEO, which by the way, Shiv's fault. Shiv could have put up Tom's name. She didn't. She wanted it so bad for herself. Didn't even really mention that Tom was a viable candidate. So we digress. Greg smartly brings out a translator app at the bar to figure out that the Swedes are not going to give it to Shiv. And as Greg does, gets information and immediately leaks it to the highest bidder, which in this case was Kendall, who absolutely he had no leverage against. So Kendall could have took taken that information and not done anything with Greg. I don't understand why he made that deal. The highest bidder who didn't bid. <laughs> yeah, he gave it up without getting anything in return except for, all, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up, dude. That was kind of a weird move by me. I understand why it had to happen, but it happened so quick in that circumstance. Why would he have not gone to Tom first? Why did he immediately call Kendall? You know what I mean? That that didn't vibe with me for how the character has uh, played it so far this year. Because most of the time he's been keeping information until it's the right time to strike. And this time it was an immediate turnaround for Greg. So kind of a a boo-boo there on Greg's Greg's end. 
For sure. I think like he just has no real loyalty to Tom, obviously, because he kind of betrayed him in that moment and anyone. Because even when he decides to like agree to go with Tom, he's just assessing it as his best vehicle. It's not necessarily because like Tom's treated me great and or I trust Tom. It's just like I got sure, let's like go with this. Um, so he and God, he really gets tortured by Tom throughout all the, you know, force firings and and getting screamed at for getting, you know, uh, juice in the eye, lemon in the eye. You know, like he's just getting abused all the time. So I, I know he wants so badly to be part of the Roy's, the quad, you know, like it's so sad um, to watch, but amusing nonetheless. Yeah. And he I mean, he is great at getting information. Greg is always the first person to find this stuff out. He just needs to be better about who he leaks it to when. I thought he learned his lesson when he took the Shiv information, realized she didn't have power, and then revealed it to Kendall like at that scene in episode eight during the election. I thought I was like, okay, he figured out a good time to play it, and he did so. But this was a, a little bit of a weak spot there for our boy Greg. But Kendall uses this information and immediately tells Roman and Shiv, at this point, it's kind of a desperate play by Kendall to get his um, siblings on board to block the vote because he needs both of them is what it seems like to vote this way. Shiv's not feeling it. And then you hear her screaming her head off where she finally agrees and is like, I guess I made the wrong move. I shouldn't have been gloating that much when we were having drinks over uh, at the bar a little earlier. Now, the next scene here where the kids all go down to the beach, they're talking about how are we going to do this? Kendall wants it, and he's finally pretty open with his siblings, right? Hey, I want this. I think it should be me. Roman, I'm sorry, but you you fucked up at the funeral. Nobody's going to allow you to, to be CEO after that. Shiv, we can't bring you in as CEO when you were on the opposing side an hour ago, which is a great point. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, our big plan to keep the company is to bring the person that was trying to take the company over from the opposing uh, viewpoint there. So great points by him. He leaves to go swim out in the water in the darkness to the the little buoy thing there. Was I the only person or did you have the thought too that he was going to die in the water? Because they made a point like, oh, it's really no. dangerous. It's dark out here. And I was like, oh, it's kind of going to freaking die right now when everything's about to fall into his lap. Was that just me? Did I have a... Did I have a moment in the episode where I thought he was going to do that? Sure. But was it this scene? No, not at all. He he was really confident in how he was selling himself to his siblings. And he he wants it so bad. He's going to wait to see how he can get it done. So, no, I, at that scene where he's swimming and they're off talking, you know, alone, I didn't think that whatsoever. I didn't think it was going to be a suicide thing. I thought it was going to be an accident thing where... I don't know if there was, uh, you know, some shark or so something ridiculous in the water. That Wait, what? Hold on. Yeah. What? You thought Kendall was going to sell himself as like, I should be the CEO and then would swim out and like Jaws gets him? Yeah. Uh, have you watched the show, <laughs> Kayla? Every time there's a really high where he feels like his siblings are starting to come around. He's like, I could do this. I could take it over. I thought something terrible was going to happen to him right there. Like he was going to, you know, maybe do the fall asleep, fall off the buoy thing and almost drown or you I just felt something bad was going to happen to him but I was wrong that we don't see the conversation from Shiv and Roman on how they came to this solution so there are some theories out there that maybe they were talking about screwing over the vote together but I I don't buy that at all they swim out to Kendall 
And it seems like a real big bonding moment there. So I thought they were legit happy for one another and, and bonded there. I think so, too, because I've said this before when we talk about the show. The show never sells itself as like there's all these side conversations or scenes happening that we're not seeing. I forget what part we were talking about that that may have happened, but it's never been a show where you feel like you're missing parts and then they reveal it after where they're like, oh, they were talking to Jerry this whole time. You know, like it's never been that kind of show. It would make more sense to me towards the end with what Roman just so quickly and hesitantly says no and like what happens that they had had some sort of conversation before but i just never like i never got the idea that we were missing scenes and it was going to be a reveal or or you know like we weren't witnessing something yeah and i i think that's right it's not really a gotcha show right they kind of build these storylines out and they show you what needs to be shown but it's a not a lot of like oh let's go back to four episodes ago when this person said this specific thing and oh actually they were having a secret deal behind everybody else's back but there there's a uh, little bits and pieces to that but after they come in from the water they have the meal for a king scene which was just adorable and you're rooting for them and immediately like wow they're so happy so they're all going to be at each other's throats in like very short order because that's how this show operates Kayla. I like truly sat in my living room just like laughing with like feeling like I was like toss me a bread piece to throw in the blood like wishing I was a part of them because I'm just like they have so few moments of joy and when Jeremy Strong like smiles and they're like you can smile bitch and he cheeses you're like yeah he like never gets to smile he's never happy and so I just I as terrible as they truly all are monsters in their own rights. I was like, I was so happy that they were together, agreed on something together, and were like going back to being kids. Like there just was a very much like when you're with your siblings and you get in that kid state, like it just was very like I could see them as little kids in that moment, you know? Yeah, like the innocence really came out in that moment. And then you had uh Roman licking uh Peter Munyon's expensive cheeses <laughs> and it seemed like it's something they have done before like that meal for a king thing like when they were kids maybe they were like oh we want to be like dad one day let's we're going to be king let's make a meal for a king it seems like something they've they've done in some type of respect when they were younger so that was a, a really cool scene did you hear that jeremy strong said that he really did drink that smoothie I'm not surprised, but I did not hear that. Oh, Jeremy. Like Strong. with with Sarah Snook's actual spit. Yeah, he he genuinely he's so method as we know, but he drank that in that scene. Yep. And he it wasn't like a quick little he like was drinking that for a second. Disgusting. How many takes though? How many takes of the spit did he have to <laughs> Oh God, please stop. Please stop. It was it was vile even in my head pretending it wasn't real, let alone that he really did do that. So gross. So at this uh moment, we're wondering how the downfall is gonna happen. And there's still a quite a bit of episode left. So I was like, how the hell are they're gonna do the board meeting? What's happening with Connor? Well, let's go right over. Connor is selling everything that Logan owned in the apartment, and basically Willa's taking over this uh sixty million dollar apartment and turning it into her own. They have this little system. You walk around and you put your little uh, colored stickers on items you want. And then we have another kind of nice family scene of it looks like Connor and Logan. They were having a, a dinner party with a lot of the senior staff a while ago before he died and kind of joking around. And it looked like everybody is happy. And yet again, 
too much family happiness. It needs to come to an end, Kayla. Every time. We can't just have nice things, the Roy's. No, but that I know, but that tender moment where Shiv puts her hand on Roman and Kendall puts his hand on Shiv, and they're just this like triage of like sadness, like this just genuine, like for my dad's faults. We loved him. And like, then Connor you know. just in the background, not involved in that part. Yeah. And I love that Connor like had a first round of taking his dad's stuff without them. And just was like, yeah, we had the first round pick and you know, Willa got whatever she wanted. So Willa's truly living the best life with her cow print couch. That was such a little add on scene that I loved, especially the way that Alan Ruck played it. They're like, well, where are the medals? And he just kind of laughs. He goes, well, there was a first round. Well, who was in the first round? And he just starts laughing. He goes, well, pretty much just me. Uh, it's like, well played, Connor. You're the one handling all this shit. You should you should have first dibs at everything. Seriously, and he he's made the all the boy. arrangements. He's the real eldest boy, Kayla. He's the real eldest boy. He made all the arrangements. He had to deal with Marsha kind of parading around. Like he really, he really was taking it. So you know what? All those medals that uh Ewan really uh got upset with logan because he didn't actually earn them like he did in war he bought them you know let let him get his medals you know he's a big history buff as we know as he tried to buy what hitler's dick so <laughs> you know what connor live your best life with these medals okay a dehydrated uh hitler's penis is that what it was or something or was it napoleon no, actually, it was napoleon think yeah, about hitler it. sounded yes, wrong yes. yeah it was napoleon <laughs> i was like wait a Good minute job, Kayla. <laughs> yeah you know i will say like <sighs> these kids are all shit shows Connor seems to be the only person that is, he may not be a serious person, but he's the only person that gets shit done. The other three kids, they start all these ventures, they get sidetracked, they go out, they can't, you know, stay focused long enough to successfully complete something. Connor had his own little like farm situation that he lived on for years. He is legit married to Willa and it's, you know, they're more like friendship, but it's a good relationship that they have right now. And he wanted to run for president. He ran for president. He is like fulfilling these things that he's setting out to do. Well, the other kids are just pussyfooting around like, oh, are, should we get together? No, let's screw dad over. No, revenge over here. Uh, you know, actually, I don't like you anymore. He is just pretty. Once he gets focused, he actually completes the damn thing. Even Willa. Willa got her plays out and running thanks to a big part to Connor's financing and helping her get those out on off Broadway or whatever it was. So, you know, props to Connor for being the the real adult out of the four siblings here. I, I just think of Willa throwing his iPad right in the water, screaming at the reviews. So can't wait to see what that happens next. Such a great scene. <laughs> uh, you know, what I also love about this show is that as delusional as all of these children are, and they are, there's so many moments where they completely understand themselves, whether it's, you know, Shiv having that real conversation with her mom about how like you were just not there and how she hurt her to Roman, just, you know, like the political stuff, like none of this matters to, you know, Kendall, like they have these moments, Connor talking about knowing that Willa maybe doesn't love him in the traditional sense, but like, is there for him? Like they aren't or how he's just looking at them like, your new hurt from dad is my old hurt because I'm older than you and I've, I've experienced it differently. So you keep allowing yourself to get hurt by him. And I just take him as he is as a man who hurts me. And I only as much as I allow. And you saw that throughout where like Logan would, would spit fire, but it really rolled off 
Connor's shoulder. He wasn't taking, I mean, it devastated them, the, the other siblings. But Connor, like, okay, dad, I need a couple extra million. And then he'd be delusional running for president. So I just love how they can have these deep, reflective, like, why I'm fucked up, why I'm broken, and then just go do something stupid the next minute, you know? Completely agree. I wish we got a little scene that goes, oh, and actually Connor Roy got 12% in Alaska or something like just randomly on in the background would have been pretty funny. So from Connor's apartment, we have Tom tells Shiv it's him. He's talking to Shiv and realizes that she's reading him and he just opens up, goes, hey, it's me. Sorry. It's not his freaking fault here. And Shiv freaks out on him like he's a damn Judas and stores out there like a uh, angry little girl. That was something. Again, uh, the Shiv, the Shiv contempt you have just, I cannot, but let, let us not forget that Tom terribly lied to her as he pretended this was new information that she was on the outs having already been told that he was going to be the CEO. And then as she catches him in that lie, she's like, Oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, you could just vote it through. You know, it doesn't really matter. And then she's calling him out on the fact that he was doing that for his own purposes. Like, I could see how she's like, fuck you. You know what I mean? She just lost it, too. I will say that we did not see Matson straight up tell Tom it's definitely him. He was kind of like, that's the type of guy I'm looking for. Shiv has too many thoughts and opinions. I need somebody I can push over. And kind of gave him the nod, like, you'll be good, and I'm considering you. But it wasn't like, hey, you're going to be the new CEO, like, straight up, you know. So I feel Tom may have had a little cover, but, yeah, he was lying to Shib because he knew Shib was lying to him about sticking up for him. Because when he talked to Matson, Matson wasn't like, oh, yeah, Shib says you did this, this, and this. He was just like. Yeah, oh. I'm just saying it's a mutual hurt. It's a mutual, yeah, like, agreed. yeah, I'm trying to get what I want. You're trying to get what you want. And so fuck you. I love when she just storms off, tells her brothers, like, it's Tom. And then they just go. And, <laughs> and Roman's like, hi, Tom. You know, it's so funny. I, I love do it. love the dynamics of this show where like people are at each other's throats, but they need to be like cordial when they're in rooms together. Sometimes like that's one of my favorite things, or even in like old uh, superhero or action movies where the enemies are like facing each other off, but they have a respect for one another a little bit where they're just like, all right, well, I'm not going to kill you this way, but good play. I'll get you on the back end. So I enjoy how that's been incorporated. I also love Matson in that next scene where it's like him, realizing that the Roy's know and they're going to try to get the votes. And he's like, wake up zombies. And he's so tall. Like Alexander Skarsgård is such a tall, lanky man that he's to stoop his neck to like reach their level. And he's like phones. I mean, it just was so, I could have used some more of like that silliness of Matson, you know, like it was the first time great. we saw him really like in a desperate mode where he goes, shit, somebody revealed the information. I need to fucking start drilling these people to make sure we have the votes. Yeah, I do love that he's like specifically goes, we need to make sure we have Frank on lock. And like Frank is the most lock because he's just going to do what Logan and wanted. So it's just so funny. He's like, we have to make sure we get Frank. And I'm like, yeah, you, you got Frank. Like maybe look at someone else. You but know? Kendall did go to Frank and said, Hey, I want you. I'm taking this whole over one, one crown. Right. He says that a couple episodes ago and Frank kind of brushes him off because he kind of has a bit of a father like relationship to Kendall. Like he was actually there and cared for these kids with the, um, how long he's known them all probably since birth, since he was with Logan that long. 
but he knows what Logan said. They're not serious and they need, they need to get out of the business as much as the business needs to sell the Gojo, right? He's almost helping these kids and himself because of the big payouts. But Hey, if you guys are stuck in this, you're going to be in your father's shadow for the rest of your life, running yourself ragged you can already see them splintering and they don't even have the company yet. How is this going to work when they actually have all the power? You know, Roman was, fi- he had power for a week and he was firing people left and right that said something he didn't want to hear. So it's uh, a good play by Jerry and all the, the senior staff there to sell it, I think, because those kids were a disaster. Absolutely. Let's get to the vault. I'm so hyped for this vote talk. We get to the boardroom. Everybody is around Roman before they get in has another meltdown as Roman is prone to do. He leans on Kendall for a little support and Kendall. It almost looks like he's, he's like pushing his wound, his stitches into his shoulder to make him bleed. Be like, I am giving you artificial support here, but I'm also like giving you pain, which I thought was a super weird and messed up scene. So I didn't think anything other other than they're just like they were holding each other so tightly. It was only when I was reading some of the discourse online that was like Kendall was doing as like a a punishment thing. You also got to think Roman has this weird masochist tendency where like True. he's validated by being hurt. You know, I mean, just the stitches were because of him going out into a crowd of people that hate him to get hurt. Like I took so it. I, I, I almost took that because I saw the same discourse you did. But I was more on the side of Roman was pulling himself closer, like you said, to make himself bleed as a punishment for not, you know, getting to the top and less of Kendall pushing like the wound into his shoulder. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. That's how I interpret it, too. Yeah. And then from there, we go into the boardroom and Kendall gives the worst inspirational talk ever. Hey, you know, this deal sucks. So let's like not do it because like we know it and we know it's not good. So yeah, let's vote. And everybody's like, all right, dude, no problem. We go around and of course, Roman gives a very sheepish, let's not push it through, gets to the last vote, which of course is Shiv. He was able to wrangle Stewie. At least we got a couple more minutes of Stewie this season. So that was nice to see him thrown back in there. Shiv just gets up and leaves the boardroom. Very unprofessional. Goes into another clear, wide open room where everybody could see them. And those two siblings follow her over there for just a great scene of them screaming at each other where everybody watches and can hear from the distance that they're going at each other's throats. And if she didn't make up her mind right before this, she makes up her mind once Kendall says that he lied about the uh, the kid dying at Shiv's wedding. Like, they know he's lying about that. And if he's not lying about that, he lied to them earlier that that actually happened. So either way, he is screwing over his siblings, and there's no way they can trust him going forward. This scene I've watched, like, probably five times, and I'll watch it a lot more after this. I just found this... It was such a short scene. Like, I I love to know how many minutes it is, but it, it goes downhill very fast, and I, I'm not going to lie, when I first saw it, I was kind of shocked. Not that this wasn't going to end. I, I really didn't picture it. This is perfect. Like, the kids get the company. We drink to that. I knew something was going to happen. 
But the shiv was shocking to me in that moment where I was like, they were just drinking smooth, you know, hanging out, laughing with fancy cheeses and Barbados. And now shiv is like destroyed at the mere thought of Kendall seceding and being the CEO. So I, I was like, what, what is it? What is happening right now? Like, is there a scene? Is there a scene we miss? Cause it, it did the turnaround. This all happens within what a few hours of each other. They leave Connor, you know, formerly Logan's place and go directly to the board meeting. I'm pretty sure. So what, what the hell happened? I think I need to rewatch the scene too. When he goes to sit in the chair and they're like, you can sit in there, dude. Because someone referenced like how maybe Shiv, like how she saw it, like when she saw him in that chair and had this realization, maybe it was like the the realness of the meeting and thinking about it. Maybe it was thinking about her and her kid. I, I don't know. And I guess that's what I like about how it's very like up to the viewer to picture where it shifted for Shiv. Um, I really think it's after their happy moment. They do cut to her when he sits and kind of turns around in the chair and she looks a little like, oh, no, like the devil has landed. But he does go, hey, pretty much, are you guys OK if I sit in this chair? Like he almost asked permission from his siblings. And they're like, yeah, dude, whatever. So it it was a bit of a weird turn. Just shit. Just like Kendall is the happiest he's ever been during that vote before Shiv. Like I'm finally getting what I've wanted for these four seasons in my life. And he gets less and less serious as he's basically barring begging at some moments please shiv give it to me shiv i'm you know i'll die without it and she scoffs and she's tearing up she's like i love you i love you you know but like i can't fucking stomach you good i mean just some of these lines between each other him just like loot you're a bitch like all just the way it the way roman's trying to be this it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like keeping this peace, like and kind of realizing it's, it's halfway through his rant. It's done. It's done. Shiv is, is completely not voting and he's losing it. It is an electric scene. I, I, the scene like blew my mind yeah. and I just, it was moving so fast. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, is Kendall going to turn this around? Like Shiv is like, no way. And, and I think about how, like when you're a kid, and like your parents tells you no for something you really, really want and how fucking devastating it is when you know you're not going to get it and you have no power as a kid to do anything about it. And I, I, I like felt that way a little bit with that where like Kendall ha- could do nothing. Shiv had the power in that moment. He could do nothing. And that's devastating. And then he take, you know? takes it out on Roman. Roman makes the almost two on point observation of this is all bullshit we're all bullshit like we don't deserve this it's it's just because of the bloodline and you know kendall goes well i'm the bloodline i'm the eldest boy shiv says actually you're not and then we get the roman comment yeah well uh shiv and tom's kid is the real bloodline yours are just half basically hey these were adopted and one was uh uh, you know born to rava and you guys are separated so they're they're not really you're you're saying it so nice yeah. because it was terrible how he phrased it about yeah. how not just he felt his, your dad said that these these are he called his kids randos that that because they are not kendall's you know biological kids like these are random and to think his dad was saying that about his grandkids like 
I mean, I didn't catch that at first. Like, I was very confused at who he was talking about. I was like, he's talking about Madsen as a rando. Like, it, it, I didn't catch it the first. Well, I was like confused on that. Um, but I just that is so cruel of a thing to say. They're all saying cruel things, but and then when he pushes Roman and to to the and then the Roman defending Shiv, which is the first time we see him defending and you know like he's like ships pregnant because he's yelling at Shiv I you at that point you don't know if he's gonna be violent towards her and Shiv just leaves and it just is like so inti- I mean the scene Justin I just was like holy fuck man phenomenal electric. scene and it happens with what five minutes to go in the episode just such such a great scene the writers really kind of pulled out all the stops on that one and and we just see the kids crumble again because they are uh, not serious people. I mean, Logan was dead on and Shiv in this moment, she has all the power. I think she makes the best possible move for her and for her family. She ends up in this moment, choosing Tom to run Waystar Royco. Essentially she gets the payout from selling to Gojo She is still tangentially connected to the CEO of the company. So maybe she can get in to do something else if she really wants, but maybe she doesn't want to take um, direction from Tom. And she's about to have a child with Tom. So this even more secures the future of that future child. So I thought it was a great move by Shiv. And it was probably the only thing that she could do. Maybe she did just change her mind because she realized all the hurt she's put through Tom on the years, maybe that kind of crept in and she's realized this is going to be the father of my kid. This is still my husband. As of right now, I cannot take this away from him. This is about to be handed to him. I can't be the one that also removes this. That might be giving her too generous of a read. Honestly, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually saying in this moment that I, I think you're being generous with Shiv caring about Tom in that way. I think it's, it is a totally selfish move and it's the best. I mean, her brothers have never really ever had her back. I can't speak to what we haven't seen you know, we only see what we see, but there's just no like guarantees. So it just, it really was the best move for her. I just, it was so shocking, you know? It was. And Kendall after just walking in like a, you know, puppy dog. Oh, what? Uh, let's, let's move the vote. Kendall, it's done. It's done. The vote went through. You're out. I'm sorry that you made, what is it? One and a half billion dollars off of this transaction, but go do your own thing. And then we we end with uh, three kind of scenes closing these this thing out. We essentially have Roman ordering a drink at the bar. And you pointed out to me yesterday it was a martini, which is Jerry's drink. So nice little touch. I don't know if that's setting up for Roman's just going to kind of go down this self-despair uh, path of just drinking and drugs. And he doesn't give a shit anymore. I can totally see that happening. We have the car where we finally get Tom after they, they sign the papers, despite Roman not wanting to sign over the company to, to Matson. He gets his moment in the sun of everybody coming up, congratulating him. Good job. Hey, like he, he feels the power, the real power for the first time. And one of the first things he does is uh, when Hugo comes over, Oh, Hey, where's Carolina? Get out of here, Hugo. We're going team Carolina. I did see some uh, discourse online that, 
that could have meant that he talked to Shiv earlier in the episode about this decision because Carolina did go up to Shiv at one point and said, hey, you know, let's turn this around. We don't want to have this weird culture we have. Oh, by the way, let's cut Hugo and just bring me up, <laughs> up the ladder. So that was a, a nice moment. And then I know you want to, Kayla, so I'm just going to throw the car hand-holding scene over to you. I mean, when we talk about side conversations, I, I do find it hard to believe she didn't have a conversation with Tom before she made that decision just to cement like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I want you to know I'm doing it for us and for our future. Um, but he goes, he's, he's shaking hands. He's making fun of Greg like, oh, I got just enough power to keep you. But Greg's just going to be the joke of the rest of his life. He tells Shiv, hey, the car's coming up and they get in the car together. And they're just sitting in silence, looking at their window, own windows in this limo. And Tom puts his hand open palmed on in the middle rest. And Ship takes a minute and she just lays her hand in the most awkward position. It's not they're not holding hands. There's no finger interlocking. He's she's literally just laying her hand half on his and he doesn't grasp it. She doesn't move it closer. They just lay with their hands half touching in a car, not looking at each other. And it is bleak as fuck. It is a perfect <laughs> metaphor for the relationship, right? They are technically like connected together, but in the most loose possible way, right? They are kind of like forced to, okay, we are, we're next to each other. We're touching each other, but it doesn't mean that there is anything still left on an emotional level at this point. Besides we are going to use each other for our own personal gains. And we want to potentially raise this kid together. So I, I see some Marsha correlations in this, in that, Logan and Marsha, like he respected her opinion. He often had his own counseling conversations with her on what to do until that kind of broke away. Uh, but he, even when she came back for like that vote, he still like, they still had enough that she wasn't like, I hate your guts. Like she came back for him to help him. So I see that in that they're going to have that type of dynamic, that relationship where they'll, they'll counsel each other and stuff. Part of me, I don't know if it's so romantic in me, has a little hope of like them having that conversation where Shiv's just like, if we've hurt each other as much as you can, do you think we could actually try for something real? And Tom's like, I don't know. Part of me wonders if they really try this time. I'm not totally like they just agree to just do this. I, I Part of me feels like maybe that hand gets tighter as years go on. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I think you might be a little too optimistic there, Kayla. But who knows? Anything could happen. And even the after the episode little uh, director's talk, Jesse Armstrong did have a note in there of, well, this is kind of where they are now. Who knows what will kind of happen in the future? Maybe we'll see. He wasn't saying it like there's going to be a spinoff, but the way he left it open is, you know, could potentially be a spinoff down the line. Who knows? And then the last we'll see. the last scene of the series, it has to end with Kendall. It started with Kendall. It's got to end with Kendall. He is a broken, disheveled man for about the 813th time throughout the series. And he is walking through the park, you know, similar to Logan with Colin trailing a few paces behind who 
is pretty much the only uh, quote unquote friend he has left after burning all these bridges to get to the cusp of the mountaintop just to be shot down at the last second. And then he's just kind of what sitting there on the bench overlooking the water at the end. Cut to black, Kayla. Is this the moment you were talking about earlier where you were fearful for his life? Yes, absolutely. I thought he was just going to swan dive into the water at Battery Park. Like, I just was like, this is it. Like, he says to Shiv in his desperate pleading moments, like, this is what the only thing I have to live for. And arguably, you're trying to think what he does have to live for at this point because he's burned every bridge he has, except the one with Stewie. (laughs) You know, it was Team Ken all the way, baby. The only thing I'll say is when he was close to suicide and or attempted it, depending on what you believe, whether it was when he was on the roof and staring down at it and gets called away. And then you find out his dad put the fence there. So he was kind of aware that he was doing that, whether it was the pool scene, like it's not hard to believe that that's what Kendall's next move is in his desperation. But what I will say is when he was telling Shiv, when he had the, you know, the waiter had died and he goes, if Logan doesn't need me, like, I don't know what I would be for. And to me, that's the most like one of the most broken lines. He's still recovered. So part of me is a little like if he can make this like, I want to die month, two months, six months a year. I feel like Kendall just does have that little like if he gets a little something, he can thrive off of that. You know what I mean? He's very manic in that way. Yeah. If he kind of gets his sights set on something, he can kind of give the false bravado to make it work. Now I will say, I did not think at the very end is where he potentially was going to kill himself. But when he was going to the elevator, my immediate thought was he's going to the top and he's jumping. Like it's going to end with him jumping and cutting to black before he hits the ground. That's what my immediate thought was. So you know, they kept it open-ended, and again, these creators like to let the uh, the audience kind of fill in the blanks for themselves, which creates a pretty fun dynamic, especially when we're talking about it on this episode. And wow, Kayla, we have already been talking. We could talk about Succession for hours. We haven't even gotten to Yellow Jackets yet, Kayla. <laughs> we really haven't. This has basically been a Succession podcast. Holy hell, but we had a lot of feelings on the finale. I mean, it was, yeah, I liked that it was open-ended, though. I liked that we didn't know that Kendall... If he does or not, because if you believe he does, then he did. And if you don't, he didn't, you know, like it just lets you determine where he was at. I just got to say really quick about the people online, because we have been, you know, I don't know if I've been looking at some stuff on Twitter. Oh, yeah. People, I, I care about shows. You care about shows. We love them. People are way too invested in these characters. And I'm just going to say in particularly Kendall in which I was seeing arguments somehow in my feed where people like, I think genuinely think Kendall is Jeremy strong and, or Kendall is a real person like, like defending it to the point where they're like, I can't believe the Roy, like the siblings didn't when he said he was going to kill himself. He, he threatened it before. Like, why didn't they take that seriously? And I'm like, do they think this is real? Like, stunned stunned at the level of people who like really believe i don't know i'm i'm scared for those people when the show ends like they get actively angry (laughs) at what the characters do in the show right yeah it's it's intense it's uh it's pretty ridiculous and i think it's going to be tough for each of these main characters to kind of transition to other shows or movies because at first at least you're only going to see jeremy strong as Kendall Roy and same with Kieran Culkin. I think uh, 
the actress who plays Shiv will have a little bit of an easier time transitioning. And when it's all said and done here, the kids are a disaster. And that's just how how it all shakes out in the end. And I don't know if I was really surprised or if you knew this, but I just assumed based on how they interact together that Roman was the youngest kid. But it was proven in this last episode that actually Shiv is the youngest and Roman is the middle child. I did not make that connection at all until this last episode because he acts like the youngest and they treat him like the youngest every single time. Oh, no. See, I knew that from like season like early on. Like to me, Shiv gives baby sister feelings like whether that's just like the boys mentality of like we're always together and then you're like go play with something else Shiv like I could see that dynamic like she's always given me youngest sibling even though Roman's like a joke you know or similar age you know what I mean like a year apart I don't don't know the true age difference but um yeah a lot of people were were wrecked by that I could see it because it's confusing they don't really other than Kendall being the eldest boy not really um you don't see it too much besides the first pancake Connor yeah yes Um, well I guess that wraps up our succession thoughts here Kayla what a great final season if you haven't watched succession you are missing out and you probably are no longer listening to this podcast but (laughs) definitely check it out I am glad that they ended it at a high point. They ended it after four. They didn't drag it out like some of these other shows. So props to the creators. And hopefully we'll see something soon from uh, Jesse Armstrong on uh, something new and interesting that we can dive into in the future. I'm sure we will. So this writer strike better get resolved so we can get them working on the next show. So can't wait. From Atlanta, covering five Shall we get into Yellow Jackets at the hour mark here? (laughs) I mean, I have a lot less thoughts on Yellow Jackets, and I'll just say maybe not as positive. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the season. Season just ended. Can we just get into the nat of it all? Can we, like, start there? I I mean, I don't know. Do you want to backtrack? You tell me. Let's start with the uh, the big elephant in the room here. Uh, Spoiler alerts, obviously, all over the board here for the whole season and the first two seasons ends with Nat potentially dying. I say potentially because they say there's no way to save her, but my one note, I know you're giving me a weird look here, Kayla is they called the cops for, you know, the other death that uh, Walter set up already. So maybe ambulance and cops were already on their way where they could treat quicker than normal. I'm holding out a very, very small percentage of hope that Natalie somehow survives to quote Celian Murphy from the trailer for Oppenheimer. Um, there's a 0.01 chance that she's alive. I mean, they even say like, as a wrapping up a body bag, like middle-aged female deceased, like, Oh, did I may have just completely missed that. Yeah. I, I don't remember. It was like a, her in a body bag closing it, but like they're on the radio, like middle-aged female, like deceased. Oh, I didn't hear the deceased part. I heard middle-aged. Okay. Then I'm wrong. And while it was shocking, like this death, I do know, and I think I mentioned after the first season that Juliet Lewis had said at season one, she was kind of unhappy about some of the character decisions that were made. So that's the only reason I think that she died in the season because she is such a, I mean, she's one of the known actresses on the show and Natalie 
maybe not so much adult Natalie, but young Natalie was such a like big piece of this season. I, I just find it hard to believe that the story called for this death. So I, I really think she just, I don't know if she said anything since actually, I haven't read about it, but I really think she wanted out of the show and that's how they did it. I mean, to have Misty do it, it's just, you know, they're BFFs. Brutal. Misty, great friend. That that took a little bit of a hit during that episode. I'm not going to lie. Do you see what happens when Misty is your best friend, Justin? You could get a needle to the heart. But she was trying to save her. Again, the instincts were good. She is a good friend. Is, is that going to help you when you're dreaming of the plane crash as you die in her arms? Maybe, maybe not so much. And I really think, and I think you mentioned this when we were uh, hanging out the other day, this show has been very good. I really enjoyed the first season much more than the second personally, but it has the makings of falling off a cliff and getting really bad quickly. And I hope it doesn't happen, but losing one of the core four here, losing Natalie, like we're now left with Shauna, Taisa, Lottie and Van, right? And Misty, obviously. So Natalie is kind of a, a glue piece here. She is, she brings Misty into the other group. She is kind of the uh, the crazy one who will do whatever is needed to get shit done. I I think it's going to be tough to carry the present day timeline without the present day Natalie and how they tie in the ninety six timeline with the present day. A lot of the times it's cut back to them as a kid and then cut forward to them in adult life. So with her being gone. I'll be intrigued to see how they kind of uh, change their shooting and editing for the show. Yeah, like young Natalie in the last flashback with her, other than the plain dream death scene with Nat adult Natalie, is that she kind of maybe is the first antler queen, like the first iteration without the antlers, you know? So it's going to be really weird when we have this flashbacks to young Nat and then nothing in the adult world other than obviously those guys reconciling that she's dead, you know, like other than dealing with that because young Nat was such a huge part of it, you know, like I just, that's going to be weird. I, I just, again, she had to have wanted to leave the show. It makes no sense to me. And if you were looking at all of them, who could go like Nat was not on my list. That's for sure. Like I just, I was really surprised by that. I, I don't know. Overall in the season, because I don't want to get too in the weeds uh, as as we go a little long in this episode, but this season, last first season, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, every is this real? Is this not? What is this? What ends up happening? This season, I really didn't agree with some of the choices that were made between Natalie's storyline, Shauna being such a focal point in season one and completely sidelined in this story i don't understand it makes no the shauna stuff with jeff and callie a completely separate side storyline and it takes forever for her to reunite with her friends here which is the best part of the show when they're all in the same place at the same time and then this episode leads you to, the finale leads you to believe that that was all for nothing right kevin tan is dead uh syracuse you know goes with Walter's plan, and now they're no longer looking at Shauna, Jeff, and Callie as the culprits for killing Adam. So this whole season was building up to what's going to happen with that, and then it just ends with, oh, never mind. There are no consequences for that. We figured it out. It just seems super sloppy the way they tied that off. 
I hate it with, like I said, I hate it what they did with Shauna. I, I don't understand why they're like, we love it when Shauna's with the group. Let's completely isolate her storyline and have her terrible daughter have way too many scenes. Oh my goodness. Uh, the Thaisa of it all. Again, who's checking in on her son while her wife's still in the hospital? Like, could we, did the dog run away? I hope so. Like, again, what? at, at no point when she's in her real self, was she like, hey, um, neighbor, could you watch my, I think he's been eating alone in the house for six days. Like, could you just make sure he's breathing? Doesn't she have what? duties as a senator to do shit? Like, <laughs> what? just, What's going she on? just leaves. I have so many questionable things with that. Like, I thought Nat's storyline was terrible like uh, what what did she really do in this cult other than the scenes with Lottie like that was dumb I, I did like Misty like the Misty Walter I shipped them so hard like I yeah, love those okay. moments Jeff and Sean are good together but I just so the scenes weren't hitting for me the storylines and then where it met supernatural and real like we're still in that what is it and I'm finding myself less interested in like where it's going to end up because it's, it's getting goofy in some moments, you know, it is getting goofy. And I think at least for these first two seasons, it is still very plausible that this is all real. And they were so, you know, out of their mind with hunger and they just weren't thinking clearly in the uh, 96 timeline that they're seeing things They're They're imagining things that have happened and maybe, you know, having these dreams and memories come back up are causing similar things to happen now. But the Thaisa Van storyline, I thought was super sloppy too. Thaisa just drives to Van. Van really is only in a handful of scenes. Let's be real. She could have got more screen time. What I'm wondering if it's going to happen, because they probably don't want to lose another one of the core people for season three, is going to be Natalie's death is actually the sacrifice, quote-unquote sacrifice, that leads to Van no longer having cancer or something. Like, magically being cured of cancer so that she can stay on for a couple seasons. What do you think of that? Totally, totally. I wonder if the show's trying to push themselves in a corner because then you have to say it's it's super... There's no... I mean, Van is saying she's at, like, fourth... Whatever stage of cancer. It's incurable, what she's saying. Like, that's it. So, for her just to have this, like, your spots are missing, like, it's clearing out your... That would make no sense in reality. So, I wonder if they're trying... Yeah, they are trying to, like, say definitively it's supernatural, but they're making you wait till the next season to hear it. I, I, again, yeah. Lottie's getting committed now. Like, I did find Lottie's... Well, I like think they the canceled cult, that, Like, that didn't was they? fun. Or while well, she... No, does no. It, don't they say we'll visit you at the end? Oh, like, that's true. Yep. Yeah. So, like, I, I just... The Lottie stuff was interesting to a point. Like, I do find her, because she's such this weird focal point younger, mm. I found adult Lottie more interesting than younger. But again, like, I would leave an episode each week and go like, what? what? Yeah. Just, it wasn't the same feeling as season one. And so that's what you're saying. I know there's a second season slump sometimes, mm. but I'm a little worried about season three, just because like you were saying, is this going to be where it just starts to fall off for us? I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little I, discouraged. I don't really know where they're going to go season three. If Alati is admitted, Natalie is dead. Maybe it's just kind of the repercussions of that and, and Misty like being down and out and just thinking back on everything bad she's done. Or maybe they just focus more on the uh, the teenage plot line instead and it's less of the, uh, the present day timeline. They could kind of right. maneuver it a little bit that way. 
did you notice before they did the uh, sacrificial chase for Shauna there, it looked like it was evil Thaisa? They kind of show her eyes, like, kind of switch when they start passing out the cards, and it looks like it's the evil tie there. So I really thought it was going to be, like, evil tie legitimately goes to kill Shauna or somebody during that scene. I did not notice that. I'll have to look at that again. I found it, again, so weird that they seem to be in their full, you know, full mindset. I mean, you could argue Lottie, I guess. You could argue Taisa, but, and they're just like, you know, we're trying to like, are you really going to kill me? Like, and no one said a word. I mean, you could say they got swept up and Van, we don't know that she, she really stopped being a believer. Like how that ended. She was so dedicated to Lottie. And when they met, they were kind of like, there was some weird tension there. And she Van still is believes. the one who came up with the plan to not have the uh, mm-hmm. the people from the psych ward come and get Lottie. She convinced Thaisa to cancel that for the time being. So maybe she was just kind of in it with Lottie because she's still a yeah, believer. Was, but what was weird is like she was going to leave. Like she wasn't so like Lottie. That's where she is. Like, let's go. She was so like, or was that not real? I don't totally get Van. Her her kind of they have not written the motivation character well at all. No, she's a great actress, Lauren Ambrose. Like, so I'm give just, her more to I'm work just, with. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I I guess yeah. I I don't know where it's going to go. If we're going to have this aha moment in season three, I'm going to check it out. But I just felt a lot less excited for what's, in- I didn't have a confidence in like, yeah, they're going to deliver this next season. You know, the only other thing I really want to bring up about this season before we move on to our swirly of the week, coach Ben found the underground tunnel system. It looks like he goes to Natalie and says, Hey, we can like, go down there. You don't need to eat Javi who has died since our last yellow jackets episode and Travis eats his heart. So I think we understand why Natalie and Travis are scorned because it's Javi's death really kind of pushed them over the edge and that's got to be impossible to overcome. Now, uh, I believe the assumption is Ben was so terrified of what these girls are doing and tried to get Natalie away. She wouldn't he's the one who burned down the cabin to the end of the season, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ben is looking at the matches. He's watching the one person that he related to and thought like he wasn't alone with Natalie, watching her have, honestly, a Midsommar-type Florence Pugh smile, creepy smile as they bow to her. So it was giving me some of those vibes. And he's like, these girls are batshit crazy, and I'm just gonna say they died in the plane, and I'm gonna burn this shit alive. I can't say I totally like, other than the mass murder of it all. I I could see him. He's starving. He's like these chicks are crazy. They're gonna eat me next. <laughs> let's just let's just call it a day, and I'll live in the caves. I don't know, but that was crazy. How he just like, yeah. How do you reconcile the heat? I don't think he makes it out at the end. But how no do you way. reconcile like you were gonna try to kill all of these teenage girls? And then go back to your boyfriend. You just don't. You just don't. <laughs> yeah, that that's a, a tough break there. We haven't seen anybody in the underground tunnels, but I, I assume there's a, another group of people down there. I think that's a pretty safe assumption at this point. And the other thing that was uh, I heard on another podcast is I wonder if all of these girls here with the wilderness chose, quote unquote, is kind of their justification for everything they did out there. 
because if you think about it, people died in the plane crash. Okay. You had, um, uh, I forget her name now. She died when she tried to escape in the other plane. So nobody murdered her, right? Jackie Lauren, wasn't murdered. She froze to death because she was being stubborn. You then have Javi wasn't murdered. He falls through the ice and they just don't, they just don't save. I'm saying their justification. Like we didn't do it. The wilderness chosen. We listened to the wilderness. So they didn't save him. And then there's one more that we're, um, we're missing here. Right. So, oh, Crystal. Crystal is at the edge of the cliff and Misty is like, oh, I'm going to kill it. She doesn't push her, though. Crystal steps off and falls herself. So, again, if you're if they're trying to justify what they're doing, it's we're not the ones actually committing these killings, but we're putting people in spots where the surrounding area of the wilderness is. And even how the first season opened up, it is probably Mari falling into a pit. So presumably they dug that pit, but they did not push her in it, right? So Mari runs into the pit herself. And I wonder if that's going to be a, a theme throughout all the seasons of they're not actually stabbing people and killing them, but they're orchestrating events so that they do die, but it can be perceived to be from the wilderness. I don't know if I'm that's just going an on interesting, too long tangent. No, there. that's an interesting point. I think that happens until it doesn't. In that, we had a sense that, one, they do that card picking a lot. And then Taisa yeah. tells Nat or who who did she say? Someone that, you know, like, you know what happens and you don't pick. So to me, that is how it was until they have to do it. Until someone's like, I can't run away or they accept their fate or whatever. And then they, I think they do. I think they do end up actually killing someone they try to like keep their humanity for long enough but at a certain point they're like fuck it you need to die and i need to kill you now i will say they they it also seems to imply that they do the chase hunt when they do it so maybe they just see how long they survive on their own so i i could see that too but i think at some point they you know shauna really gets the knife in that that seems fair and it you know i guess the thought is when the you get the warmer weather the will have better options to hunt and then when it gets to winter again if you don't have enough stored up that's when you start drawing the uh the queen of hearts with no eyes Oof, gruesome don't want to draw that card and you know i wish they would have showed us a couple scenes on them coming to that conclusion instead of being like well we need to do something and then it just cuts to everybody drawing a card and we're like we can't see a conversation from everybody in the group about like hey we're gonna agree to do this and we're going to put this card in. I don't know. It just seemed like that was handled a little too uh, quickly. Maybe we have an extra, you know, episode instead of nine episodes, we have 10 and we tie off some of these storylines a little more neatly. And let me tell you how annoyed I was when Taisa and Van are driving to the, the cult's place and Shauna somehow beats them there, even though she leaves like a day later and is theoretically closer. Like what the hell was that? Figure out your timelines here, creators. Rant over. I love it. I love it. Also, I love Walter and he he Elijah Wood just singing his song, Send in the Clowns, was just great. And I wish I mean if they just have a spin-off where Missy and Walter just live their sweetie Todd life, go at it, you guys. Musical killings, bring it on. 
All right. Well, I think that wraps up our talk for Yellow Jackets. We have a long episode, so we will rapidly get through the Swarly of the Week and our friendship question now. Okay. So my Swarly of the Week is going to be Disney Plus, but really physical media. And when I say this, I, I Disney Plus is one of the most recent, I guess, the biggest of like they are stri- starting to get rid of their streaming shows. They like Willow is a recent reboot that they had. It's not even a year old, I think, to its release date, and it's already not available anymore. They are just cleaning house. And I started thinking about it because I recently bought the DVD set of Station Eleven. And there's no real sense that that's a show that's going to be leaving Max um, yet. But I started going, as you, a DVD collector, I started going, wow, we just kind of have all of these streaming shows. And at any point, they can just go away. And I know that was a big discussion. I may have even mentioned it in episodes before about writers, about how you sell a show, create a show. And if you don't have some sort of copy of it, it is gone. The streaming sites have no agreement to keep a show on their service and so something you create that you can show like hey i made this show there could be no example of it out there and that is crazy to me when you're thinking about how media exists otherwise before this so i just think one get your dvds girls because (laughs) it's hard out here in these streets you the shows you may love are not guaranteed to be on them especially as we're talking about like residuals and the writer's strike and all that and then just Disney Plus is really not hitting A's, I guess I'd say, which is kind of why they brought back Bob Iger. And for them to just like start a show and delete it off is just for them to be the ones to start this that I I think maybe a boulder that rolls downhill. I think other streaming services could easily do that, too, because they have to pay some sort of sense, I think, for for a hosting show still. So it's just that's just wild to me. What do you think as someone that does try to get you know, movies you like, maybe not necessarily TV shows, but it's kind of scary to think like a show you love that you think you'll always have access to is just gone. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I used to love collecting the DVDs and Blu-rays. Obviously, that is halted a bit over the last couple of years. Number one, you can't really find them anywhere unless you order online. And they're not really that cheap because there's so few kind of out there now. It's just it sucks, especially if it's something you really want to go back to in the future. And I know everybody gave me shit for, you know, buying hard copy books and buying DVD players. But, you know, at some point, we're not going to just I can't imagine we're just going to be streaming everything forever. Like these companies, like you said, are going to need to make cuts. And they're going to be like, well, we're paying too much to host these. Let's cut down every uh, every quarter or every year. We're going to cut 25 percent of the shows and maybe we bring them back next year and swap out 25 percent of the other shows. It's just, I'm nervous with uh, where we're going with all this stuff. And the writers are still striking. I heard they've been, they were making a little bit of progress, but who knows? I just, I want to be able to watch the shit. I want to be able to watch when I want to watch it. And I get that was the point of streaming initially, but not if you start taking shit off. Like if they take station 11 off of max, I'm going to be like, what the hell? I want to watch that show. Like, every year for the rest of my life probably along with queen's gambit on netflix like i need these shows in my life just there in case i need to watch them in the future kayla 
Exactly. It's something to think about as the landscape shifts and changes, some for the good and some for the bad. So we'll have to see. What is your Swirly of the Week, Justin? My Swirly of the Week is pretty quick this week. It is Shaquille O'Neal. Good old Shaq, the big diesel here, seven foot one, massive guy, basketball Hall of Famer. Uh, process servers have been trying to serve Shaq for months now for his connection in the FTX meltdown, and they have not been able to get him. He keeps dodging these guys. At one point, they threw the papers at his car as he drove away, and his lawyer was like, that doesn't count. He didn't see him. They flew off the car. So the reason he's my Swarly of the Week is he does a nationally televised TV show, especially during the NBA playoffs where they know exactly where he's going to be at the exact times. And it finally caught up to him. He was served uh, while he was doing his show uh, last week. So just so funny that uh, these massive athletes, you can't hide Shaq. He's seven, one, 320 pounds or something like, but they could not serve him with the papers. Cause he refused to answer the door when they came to his house. They refused. <laughs> What was it live on TV? Like it was like as he was talking about like a sports game. No, like... I don't believe it was live oh, okay. on TV. I think it was during a break when they knew he was there and then served him. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I'm surprised he wasn't like, don't let anyone from because they have to say where they're from. As someone who has not personally gotten subpoenas but has on my company's behalf, I'm just surprised that they weren't. He wasn't like, you can't enter or anything. You know, that's interesting. That's kind of it'd be funny if it was on camera though and like it Charles Barkley was like just like the other guys on the show on him. just set him up for it like Barkley goes hey Shaq yes. I gotta show you something boom <laughs> and called it yeah that'd be I should great. look I, I'll double check and look on YouTube see if there's actual any video footage of it but uh, I just saw that pop up on uh on Twitter the other day I was like oh he finally got served because I was following like that they've been trying to track him down for over a month now oh good times Love it. Love it. Okay. Let's get to our friendship question of the week. Great question, Kayla. You really thought for hours, for days for this one. What do you have This is uh, one of the oddest ones, but here we go. What are three of your favorite scents? As in, what do you like to smell, Justin? Uh, Vanilla. There you go. Love vanilla. How about a campfire? A little campfire action. Now my third scent. Wow, such difficulty. There's so many good scents out there. Kayla, why don't you give me your three and I'll think about my third. Okay. Pumpkin candles. I burn all the fall candles all the time. Old books. I love to just smell an old book. And then I'm going to say something really weird, okay? But I like it. When I go into a shoe store and the smell of new shoes, I love the smell of new shoes. It has its own scent, okay. and I just, and that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's my truth. Oh, okay, <laughs> Kayla. Like new sneakers, like before you wear them, I love that smell. It's a very specific smell, it's and like I do, a new car I do smell? like it. Yes, yeah, yes. similar to that. Gotcha. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my third Chanel number five. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. I'm trying to think of like a third. Like, I I do like kind of that the cinnamon smell. Mm. So I think I'll go with like a cinnamon, but I was looking for like, it was like a cinnamon mixed with something else. And I just, I tried to do a quick Google, but was not able <laughs> to find it. So I'll just go with a, a cinnamon fragrance. A cinnamon, a nice cinnamon stick. You know, you might catch Justin sniffing something in the corner. It's just a nice uh, cinnamon stick. Yeah. Cinnamon is a good smell. It can be strong. I don't know. I like too much cinnamon. I get a headache. 
Yeah, that's why I like the one. It was like uh, when it's mixed with something. I agree exactly, with that. Yes, exactly. Yes, you know. So if you're wondering what we like to smell now, you weird know. question, Kayla. But okay, we're here. Okay, we're getting closer just from what sense we like. Okay. I could have went with like a fresh cut lawn. Like after I mow the lawn, it's like that nice fresh cut grass smell. That, that that's an alternate, I guess. That's someone who must not have strong seasonal allergies because that just is, has me going, achoo, achoo. <laughs> Love it. All right. We've had quite the episode today, Succession and Yellow Jackets. Let's wrap it up here. As always, we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this episode of Wrong Opinions Only. Please follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes. Until then, JK out.